Well, my name is Ron Cool. I'm one of the pastors here at Hillside, and again, it's a joy to welcome all of you here this morning. We're going to finish up a series this morning. We've been looking at it. It's, it's, we've called it Five Great Questions, and what we've done is we've allowed the, one of the teaching tools of our church, the Heidelberg Catechism, to guide us into Scripture, and uh, it's a series of questions and answers, and we've gone through that, and, and it has been helpful to guide us into what the Bible teaches us about where our comfort comes from, and, and what, is our, what are we like in our sin, that we're dead in our sin, and, and the question we're going to look at this this morning really grows out of the one from last week, all right? If we understand what the catechism has been saying up to this point, then it's almost inevitable that there's a question that we have to ask. So last week we asked this question, what happens when I believe? What happens when I believe, when I cross that line into, into trust, when I turn my life over to Jesus Christ, when I, when I surrender all, as we were singing, I surrender everything. When we do that, what happens when I believe? And we, and we said that, you know, the first thing that happens, the primary thing that happens is not that, well, I start to feel better about myself or all my diseases go away or all my troubles are gone. We said that, that the most important thing that happens when we believe, when we put our trust in Jesus Christ, is that we're restored in our relationship with God. The Bible says that's our deepest need, that's our deepest problem, that, that we're separated from God, but through Christ, then, then, then we are restored in that relationship, and we are right. In fact, the Catechism puts it this way, answer 60, God grants and credits to me two things. First of all, the perfect satisfaction of Christ, the, the full payment for all my sins, all the sins I have committed, and all the sins I will commit, all right? God pays for all of them through the death of Jesus Christ on the cross, but he also gives me the perfect righteousness and holiness of Christ. That, that, that God looks at me as if I had done what Jesus did. That I have those things in my account. God credits those things. And we talked about accounting. That God credits those things. God grants those things. God gives me the righteousness of Christ. God gives me the payment of Christ. So that it's as if I have never sinned or been a sinner. And it's done out of complete grace. Without any merit of my own, the catechism says, out of sheer grace, God does this. And like I say, it's even a promise that he's going to forgive me, right? And, 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 and for me, it seems there's an obvious question here. If I know that no matter what I do, God is going to forgive me, then why be good, right? Why, why be good? Why should I care how I live? What, what, what difference does it make? If, if I'm saved by grace... If I save completely by what God has done on the cross, and I know he's going to forgive me again, why should I try to be good? Why, why, should, I, why should I care about that? The, the catechism puts it this way in question 86. It says, we have been delivered from our misery by what? God's grace alone, okay? Through Christ, and not because we have earned it. Why then must we still do good, right? I mean, it's obvious. Think about it. If, 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 if our, as parents, we don't quite dare tell our kids, you know, it doesn't matter what you do Friday night because I'm going to forgive you right? We don't, no, I'm going to smash you if you do something wrong, right? I mean, we don't, but God says, you know what? I will forgive you. And and so the question comes, what is our motivation? Why be good? And the catechism gives five reasons, and I'm just going to touch on each, and I know you won't remember all five, but maybe just pick out two or three that you're going to kind of think about and chew on this week. But but the catechism gives us five. If you pay attention, Michael mentioned kind of three of them already in his little talk, so... um, I should skip those, right? Because Michael already handled them. But here we are. Why should we try to be good? What's, what's my motivation? Why, why should I try to serve and love and, and, and do the right thing and fight against sin? The first thing the catechism says that it points us to Scripture is this. Because it, it says Jesus not only saves us, he's, he's restoring us in his image 
by his spirit. And and what the catechism is pointing to, and I'll show you the scriptures in just a moment, but what it's saying is, is when Jesus does, he not only grants and credits me those things as if there's something objective. I mean, there is something objective that happens, that my account is credited, but but that's not all Jesus does. Jesus lives in me now. Jesus is alive in me. He's, he's taking hold of me, and he's changing me into a person who genuinely wants to do good, all right? He's changing me. I am becoming somebody who, who genuinely is, is not a slave to sin, but I'm a slave to Christ. Paul talks about this in Romans 6. Um, it, it's such a, a, a great passage because it, I think, is, it, it anticipates this question. In, in Romans 1 to 3, just real quick to give you the context here, Paul talks about how bad we are as sinners. He says, we're dead in our sin. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, and the wages of sin is death. And it's all about that. And, and then he comes to chapter 4, and he starts to say, but God saves us. But God gives us amazing grace. And in chapter 5, he says, it's all by God's grace. And the fact is, it, it, God's grace covers all of our sins and even the sins we're going to commit. And then he comes to, to, to chapter 6, and he asks the same question I asked that the catechism asked. He, he says, hold on, what should we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? Right? I mean, Paul is saying, look, if that's the way it works, should we just... Kind of keep sinning then, so more grace. The world is wonderfully arranged. Somebody once said, I like to sin, God likes to forgive. It's a great situation, right? So shouldn't we just do that? And Paul's answer is absolutely not. By no means. By no means. He says, we're different now. We are those who have died to sin. Again, part of the water of baptism, and and, and we'll read about that. Baptism is, is dying. It's going under the water and then rising with Christ. We are those who have died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? Or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus... We're baptized into his death, all right? So I am, I'm, I'm dead to that. I, I, I don't need to go there. I, I'm good because that doesn't, isn't attractive to me in the same way anymore. Now, I, I, I'm, I'm talking ideal, but th- this is what God is changing me into, okay? And, 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 and so I'm no longer someone who is dead in sin. I am becoming a new person. And so I, I do good just because this becomes who I am. Verse 4 goes on to say this. We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death... In order that, just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life, okay? And, and, and so Paul says, should we sin? No way, absolutely not. Because, because Christ is alive in us, because we're being changed, because we're being renewed in his image, and I am become, becoming someone who loves goodness. Now you might say, Ron, you're going a little slow. <laughs> but, but that's who God is changing me into. God is changing me into somebody who genuinely desires to do the good, who genuinely wants to do the good, all right? Jesus is alive in me. And one of the things that I love that the Bible points out that the catechism picks up on is, is that because Jesus is, it not only saves us, but he's also, it, it says he's restoring us in his image by his spirit. And, and, and I want you to think about that, uh, what it means that God is restoring us. You see, when God is making me new, what he's really doing is he's making me restored, okay? He's, he's, he's making me into what he created me to be. It's a back to the future thing, right? I mean, what, what, what happens is, is in the newness, and, and I think it's important for us to recognize, what we're doing is we're becoming what God created us to be in the first place, Okay? That, that's what Jesus is, and, 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 and we were created to be people who did the right thing, 
who celebrated God's goodness. Again, real quick, Genesis 1.27, you know, so God created mankind in his own image. We were created in God's image to love and to serve and to care and to give. In the image of God, he created them, male and female, he created them. And, and, and now we're being recreated into that. 1 John 3, verse 2. Dear friends, now we are children of God, and what we will be has not yet been made known. But we know that when Christ appears, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And, and so for me, that's just really cool. Because what it means is that being good is not becoming something that I'm not. Being good is becoming who I really am. I, I, I was, we had a funeral here yesterday, and, and, and it was interesting to me, because one of the things that the, the, uh, Joyce Ireland had died, she was 80, and, uh, and her son had said, you know, it, it was really important for her to be who she was, to be true to herself. And, and sometimes we use that to say, well, I get to do whatever I want, because that's just who I am. What, what the Bible says is, yeah, be true to yourself, but be true to the self that God created you to be. Be true to the self that God is recreating you to be, that, that, that he's restoring you to be. Because being and doing good is our natural state, okay? It, it, it's the state of being without sin. And so it, it, it's being good is the best life, okay? It's, it's life to the full. It's freedom. It is, it is so much. And so part of the reason I do good is because this is what God created me to when I love, when I serve, when I have joy, when I have peace. And... and and I want to grow in that because, because I'm being set free to become who God created me to be. Some of you are familiar with, uh, let me give an illustration of this. Some of you are familiar with Michelangelo, all right? Um, no, not that one. Um, the other one, the guy who created the statue, right, of David, all right? When Michelangelo, it was better than that. Come on, I would have gotten a few chuckles, I thought. <laughs> but when Michelangelo did David here in, in marble, okay, and and. What Michelangelo said about, about what he did when he was a sculptor is he looked at the block of marble. He looked at the block of marble and he said, the statue is already in there. What I have to do is knock away everything that's not David. What I've got to do is chip away everything that is not the statue. I've got to set, David's in there. I have to set him free. And that for me is a wonderful picture of what Jesus does for us as he makes us new. Sin blocks us up. Sin binds us down. Sin destroys us. Sin keeps us in a straitjacket. And and what Jesus is doing as he's restoring us in his image is he's chipping away all the sin. Like Michelangelo, he's removing all of that, all of that, that, that junk that keeps me from being me. That keeps me from celebrating life the way he wants me to celebrate life. Of doing what he wants me to do. Uh, Jesus is at work in me. Why do I do good? It's because because Jesus is, is restoring me. And I am becoming a person that God created me to be. And, 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 and so, again, I, I think so often what we do is we think of goodness as, well, i got to be good, and so i got to get in a box. Right? i got to follow the rules, and we think of being good as being in a box. I want to say... Biblically, it's the exact opposite. Being good is being set free to become who you were really created to be. Being good and following Christ is not, is not about rules and regulations. It's about the freedom to become who God really created us to be, or you are being restored into his image. All right, that's the first one. Second one, why, why be good? Just out of gratitude, out, out of thanksgiving, because of what God has done for us. Romans 12, <clears throat> 12 verse 1. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy. Again, Paul has been talking about sin, and and then he talked about what Jesus did all the way through chapter 11. And now he's going to say, here's what you do. But remember what he does here. 
Watch what he does here. What he does is he says, when I'm going to call you to live this way, it's out of gratitude. In view of God's mercy, because of what Jesus Christ has done, I encourage you to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship, okay? So again, that that pattern is throughout Scripture. It's, It's not that we obey God in order to get God to love us. God comes and says, I love you, Ron, even when you're broken. I love you even when you're a sinner. I love you, period. And when I realize that, then out of gratitude, I want to follow him with my life. I want to offer him my life as a living sacrifice. It, it, it's not out of anything else. Colossians, one more. We could do this a lot. But therefore, as God's chosen people, you already are holy and dearly loved. Now clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. And, and so again, because we're grateful. And, and this is really an important one. And I want to take a couple of seconds here, to, a couple of minutes here to think really about some of the ways that we in the church usually talk about why be good, okay? And, and, and we don't, see, the fact is, as a preacher, most of us don't really trust grace. We don't trust gratitude. We don't trust this. And, and so we as teachers, preachers, as parents, we talk about it in other ways. And, and we may not say it this blatantly, but we've got to understand, friends, our obedience is not repayment, Okay? It's not saying, you know what, Jesus did this for you. No, how are you going to pay him back? How are you going to make it worth his time? How are you going to do that? What are you going to do for Jesus? Because he did this for you, and, and you owe him things. The, 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 it's a gift, friends. Grace is a gift in a sense. In a sense, yes, we owe Jesus everything. In another sense, we don't owe him anything because he gives this to us. He does it out of his love. And when you hear me saying, we don't owe Jesus anything, there's a part of you like me that's going, well, time out, Ron. Everybody's going to start sinning all the time. You see, we're afraid to really trust grace. We're afraid to just be so grateful and to say, it's all about grace. It's not repayment and it's not guilt. Some of us were raised big time on guilt. One preacher I talked to, read this week was talking about preaching bad doggy sermons. Some of you have heard bad doggy sermons. I may have preached one or two. You're bad doggies, and you should feel bad about yourself. And, and you should not feel good, and you're, you're naughty, and, and, and I'm wagging my finger at you because you are a bad doggy, a bad doggy, and you should feel guilty, and so don't do that anymore. Don't do that. That's not what the Bible says is our motivation. It's not saying, because you're naughty, be better. No, it's out of God's grace, in light of his mercy, as God's chosen people, completely forgiven. We are not doing this out of guilt. But that is such a strong motivation, right? Jesus did this for you. What are you going to do for him? You know, I mean, you don't have to, to sign up to help with the youth group. We'll only have people who love Jesus do that. Um I got a lot more I can say, right? But that's, and, and, you know, parents, you know, I did this for you. How can you do this to me? And we, and we motivate our kids out of, out of guilt. Um, I, I, I'm Dutch, so I'm going to do, you know, there's, how, how many Dutch mothers does it take to change a light bulb? None. We'll just sit here in the dark. I mean, <laughs> And as parents, we guilt and we guilt and we guilt. And that's not what God does. That is not what God does. It's not guilt and it's not fear. It's not fear. 
Again, some of us have parents who had grandparents who said this. Maybe some of you heard this yourselves. But I, I can remember hearing this about back in the days when movies were, actually, movies were okay, but you couldn't go because they were naughty. And, and part of the line was, you don't want to go to a movie because what if Jesus came back and that's where you were? Right? You have to live in fear. You don't want to be where Jesus doesn't want you to be. You don't want to do that because you, you have to live in the fear that he's going to stop loving you. First John 4.18 says, perfect love casts out fear and we are perfectly loved. Okay, <laughs> you've just taken away my parenting skills, Ron. <laughs> I mean, right? I use repayment. Of, I did this for you. You're supposed to do this for me. I use guilt. I use all these things. At the end of the day, friends, what God calls us, our motivation to be good is gratitude. It is understanding I am so deeply loved. I, Jesus Christ loves me unconditionally. How can I do anything but just love him back? That's what the Bible teaches. We are absolutely, completely, 100% saved by grace. And our guilt is gone. And we respond with gratitude. Not fear, not guilt, not repayment but gratitude. Okay, because we're grateful, all right? Jesus is changing us because we're grateful. Third, and and this one's interesting, okay? As a way of praising God, okay, part of the reason I I, I do what what God calls me to do, I do this as a way of praising God. And, and, And the Bible again says that's part of how we worship God. Romans 12, 1 again. Let's go back to that. Such a great passage. It it, it says, therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, again, in view of God's mercy, right? Out of gratitude, in view of God's mercy to what? Offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship, all right? So, yes, we worship when we are singing. But for too many of us, we say, yep, that's when I praise God. We come and, and, and we think of a worship service. What do we do? We worship God and then we listen to a sermon. Uh, we worship God on Sunday, and then we go to work on Monday. Well, what the Bible says is we worship God whenever we are living for him. In fact, it says this is our true and proper worship. It might be even more important. We also worship when we are living the way God created us to live. So why do I want to do this? Because it, it just sends praise to God. I'm living the way, and it brings glory to God when I live the way he created me to live. 1 Corinthians 10, 31. Uh, some of you, again, are familiar with this passage. But, but Paul is writing, and he says, So, whatever you do, or whether you eat or drink, or whatever you do, do it all for the glory or the praise of God. And, and, and so what that means is, when you are at work tomorrow, if you're teaching, if you teach to the best of your ability, and if you teach to the glory of God, if you do it not so that people look at you, but so that people are just blessed, just by teaching, by teaching math or whatever it is, by teaching, you are bringing glory to God because you are doing what he created you to do. And, and when you're selling, if God created you to sell, when you do that in a way that honors God, in a way that honors others, in a way that speaks the truth, when you make a deal, God created us to do that. And so when you do that, you are doing that to the glory of God. And, and, and so our worship is not just what happens here. Corporate worship is important and it's good. But our worship is all of our lives and whatever we do, we can be worshiping God. St. Irenaeus died about the year 202. So he was a pastor a long time ago. So sometimes before 200, he said these words. And, and they're just amazing. The glory of God, he said, is a person fully alive. 
And, and, and again, we don't think about that. When we think about the glory of God, we think about somebody who's looking holy, right? Who's trying to impress others with the way they're, they're looking, their externals. But, but Irenaeus, I think, was right when he says, no, the glory of God is when I'm doing what God created me to do. As I was thinking about that this week, I, uh, I got grandkids and I got tools in the garage. And so I, I got a book on how to make some toys. So I made this little crossbow thing, all right? And it shoots Kleenexes with a piece of tape around them. So, see, for this thing, when my grandkids get this or some other kid gets a hold of it, and they, well, here, well, boom, right? You see, that's, it, it, in a sense, it gives praise to me, right? It gives glory to me. I am so overjoyed with this thing that it worked, right? It did what I created it to do. It did its job. It did the thing I wanted it to do. Now, it didn't say, oh, Ron, master creator, you are amazing. It didn't have to. It brought me joy. It, it, it brought me, as it were, glory. And, and some of you are impressed that I could shoot that far, right? But you see how that's, now I'm this. And, and when I, when I do what God created me to do, when I make a meal for somebody else, when I do a service for somebody else, it's like God pulled my trigger and I did it. And God is going, yes, yes, that's what I created you for. That's what I made you for. And, 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 and so we do good. We, because that's what God created us for. And, and we praise God through our lives in that way. All right? So, again, we, we're being made new. And, and so we're just becoming people who do good because Christ is alive in us. We do it out of gratitude and then kind of flowing out of that to praise God, right? We, we just want God to be praised because he's so amazing. Fourth one is the most controversial one, okay? Fourth one is, is the most dangerous one, all right? And, and so we'll have to think about this one. But so that we can have assurance that our faith is real, the catechism says. And I'm going to be very clear. We have to be really careful with this one, all right? Why? Why? Um, well, let me, here, here it is in the Catechism, answer 86. And we do, do good so that we may be assured of our faith by its fruits. What the Catechism is saying here is it's pointing to Scripture passages that say, do you want to know what's on the inside? Then look on the outside, right? Matthew 7, words of Jesus here, Matthew seven seventeen and 18. Likewise, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. So, if you want to know if Jesus is alive in you, is there good fruit in your life? Now, Jesus was not actually talking about looking at ourselves. He was talking about evaluating teachers with this. What's the fruit of the teacher's life? So we have to be a little careful. But certainly what James says in James 2, verse 18, seems to tie into this, right? But someone will say, you have faith, I have deeds. Show me your faith without deeds, and I will show you my faith by my deeds. And, and, and so what the catechism is saying is, you know, I... I one of the reasons I do good is because it assures me that Jesus Christ is alive in me. It assures me that I am alive, and so I want to do these good things, all right? But that gets real dangerous. On the one hand, I want to agree, and I want to say, if we are in Christ, we ought to be growing, right? If, if, I, have say, if I say and believe that I've been walking with Jesus Christ for 40 years, that he, he has been my Lord and Savior, he's been alive in me for 40 years, don't you think I ought to be, have some sign of that? Don't, don't you think there ought to be some fruit of that? Don't you think my life should show it in some way? And, and so in that sense, absolutely. I, our lives should, and James is saying, you know, there should be works that flow out of it. But the danger is, it, it's so hard to measure those things. 
it, it, we're so good at fooling ourselves, and, and, I, and I don't want to put assurance based on what I do, okay? I, I mean, it, it, how, how do we measure what it is to, to love somebody? The fruit of the Spirit, Paul says in Galatians, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. Say, I want to grow in this. Okay, I want to grow in love. Well, how do, I, how do you know if I love my wife more? Well, I buy her flowers every week now, so I love her more than I did last year. Unfortunately, I know guys who, when they have affairs, they start buying their wife flowers. And, 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 and what happens is, and, and this is what the Pharisees did in Jesus' day, and he said, you're missing it. What happens is we say, okay, how can I feel good about myself? How can I know I'm a Christian? These are the marks. I know I'm a Christian because I don't cut my grass on Sunday. I know I'm a Christian because I don't do this. I know I'm a Christian because I don't. That's exactly what the Pharisees, and all they were doing is looking on the outside, but what the growth is that Jesus is looking for on the inside, it's a deeper surrender. And, and, and so we have to be so careful about it because we, we can start to become arrogant and smug of saying, oh, look, okay, how do I know I'm a Christian? This is how, and we start to build those things up, and, it, and it's just... That's why I say, on the one hand, yes. On the other hand, I, I want us to be real careful with that. And ultimately, I want us to recognize that real assurance ultimately comes from Jesus, not from me. It, it doesn't come from looking at myself. So I'm going to give you a mixed bag on that one. I think there's, it's, it's, it, can, it can provide some comfort to say, I feel like God is growing me. But we have to be really careful. All right, one more. One more, and, and again, this is one I know Michael hit on when he was uh, talking during his profession of faith interview and we talked a couple of months ago. But, but the catechism says, and this is one of the only places it talks about evangelism, but it says, why should I do good so that so we can be a witness for Christ? The catechism puts it this way, we do good so that our neighbors may be won over to Christ. I, I want to I love and I want to serve and I want to give of myself. And part of the reason I want to do that is, is because then people will see Jesus. And then people will come to know Jesus. Again, Matthew 5, Sermon on the Mount, verse 16. Jesus says, in the same way, let your light shine before others. Now, chapter 6, he's going to say, don't do your religious act. Don't do your praying out in front of everybody. That's what the Pharisees did. But when you're doing just caring and loving, just don't make it about yourself. But, but people will see that. Let your light shine before others so that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Again, not that they can see me, but that they see this and then they glorify God. Okay? He, we want them to come to know God. First Peter 2, verse 12, says this. Live such good lives among the pagans that, though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. Even though others around you are going to be, why? So that you can see God. When we respond with grace and truth and love to people who are nasty to us, when we do that, then people see God. First uh, Peter 3, and, and this is, and he's talking to wives here, but I, I think the primary reason is there were more wives whose husbands didn't go to church in this church than anything else. So that's what this is about. But he says, wives, in the same way, submit yourselves to your own husbands so that if any of them do not believe the word, don't believe in Christ, they may be won over without words. And I want to suggest that is one of the most biblical phrases about evangelism there is. This is God's method of evangelism. They may be won over without words by the behavior of their wives or by any of us when they see the purity and reverence of your lives. Okay, So in the Old Testament, the people of Israel were called to live in a certain way so that the world may know what God is like. Now we as a church 
are called to live in a way. We are called to love and to serve and to care for each other in such a way that the world says, how do you do that? How do you give like that? How are you so free with your stuff? How do you care for others? And, and, and so again, this is again, written 450 years ago, the catechism is, at a time when basically it was not a question of whether you were a Christian or not, it was what flavor. And so not a lot of talk about evangelism. That's one of those places where we'd say, yeah, they could beef it up. But this is one of the places where, where they're very clear about saying, you know what? I want to do good so that, so that I can help people know who Jesus Christ is. And, and the loudest witness in my labor, neighborhood is loving my neighbors. They can be won over without words. I love that. Peter is going to go on to say, always be prepared to give a reason for the hope that is in you. Again, God's method of evangelism is, is that we live it, and then somebody asks us. Now, I'm not saying we don't confront people and challenge people. Yes, Paul did that. But for most of us, the primary means is going to be living out and then being ready to give a reason for the hope that is within us. I want to close with a, with a quote from C.S. Lewis. Uh, is, uh, I think it's from Mere Christianity. Um, but, but Lewis, in this, in this quote, is, is, is addressing the question we are because he's saying, you know, when I become a Christian, I put my life in Jesus' hands. I trust in him. I stop trying to earn my salvation, and I trust in Jesus. And he's saying, well, does that mean then I just quit trying? This is what he says. He says, and in yet another sense, <clears throat> handling, handing everything over to Christ does not, of course, mean that you stop trying. To trust him means, of course, trying to do all that he says. There would be no sense in saying you trusted a person if you would not take his advice. We put our lives in his hands, then we ought to follow it. Thus, if you really handed yourself over to him, it must follow that you are trying to obey him. And then this is where he kind of addresses, again, the why. But he says you're trying in a new way. And I love this. Because when we talk about being good, it can be kind of like, okay, I've got to go do that because I've got to win my neighbors for Christ. <laughs> no. I want to do this because that's who God created me to be. Trying in a new way, a less worried way. Not doing these things in order to be saved, but because he has begun to save you already. Not hoping to get to heaven as a reward for your actions, but inevitably wanting to act in a a certain way because, and I love this, right? A A first faint gleam of heaven is already inside you. Jesus Christ is, and, and, and so that's where Paul says in Galatians that, that don't lose your freedom. We have been saved by God's grace, and, and, and you want to do good. You want to honor him because that's what he created you to be, and, and you have the, the presence of Christ inside of us, and we want to say thank you and praise him. It's not driven by fear, friends. It's not risen by fear. We, we can say to God, take my life and let it be because God wants us to have the absolute best life possible. Jesus, John 10, 10, said, I have come that you may have life and have it to the full. I want to be what Jesus, I want to be what Jesus wants me to be because he wants me to be fully alive to God's glory. Let's pray together. Father, Many of us have tried to be good out of guilt or fear or a sense that we want to pay you back for what you did. Thanks. Father, remind us of your amazing grace, of your amazing love that casts out all fear. And then just set us free, Father. Remind us that in Christ we are free and help us to become who you created us to be. Sin holds us down, Father. You created us to love, to serve, to give, and to care for others. 
Sin keeps us selfish and, and centered on ourselves. So set us free so that we can be good, so that we can have life to the fullest. It is in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Will you please rise to receive God's parting word of benediction. Again, following the service, there are going to be some folks in the prayer room. If you'd like to talk with somebody or pray with somebody, they'd be happy to meet with you. People of God, as we go from this place, know that the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ goes with each and every one of us. And may we live in the joy and the comfort of that grace. Amen.